It is episode 11 of the Behind the Mic podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter. It is at behind the underscore mic on Twitter. That's also the uh, same address for Instagram, Behind the Mic 73 on Facebook. And send me an email at cdogsradio at gmail.com. Another great Friday, another great week. We count down closer to the minor league baseball season. We count down closer to the major league season. And it's so much fun to watch the Red Sox in full swing and exhibition schedule and seeing so many former Sea Dogs playing at the big league level. Well, the Sea Dogs had some news in the offseason, including a change of manager, former big league catcher, a 13-year veteran of the Cincinnati Reds, Joe Oliver will be the new skipper for the Sea Dogs in 2019. And we're going to take you back to the Sea Dogs hot stove dinner when Joe joined me on stage. All right, Joe, welcome to Portland, Maine. It's great to be here. Just, you know, feel, feel so welcome. Uh, my wife and I, Kim, we came up and just immediately feel uh, like we're already at home. I appreciate that. Yeah, we had the, the big official announcement earlier. You become the 14th manager in team history. I know you were in Salem for the last three years, but it's, you're a former player. You go through the minors, get to the big leagues, and now you're doing it as a coach, hoping to do the same thing. Yes, uh, my wife and I got married when I was in AA in Vermont, so very familiar with the, uh, the area uh, up in the northeast and familiar with the cold, uh, early, very cold. <laughs> We're from Florida, by the way, so... <laughs> Very cold, uh, but familiar with it, enjoy the area, and just so excited about being able to relive this on the other side. She went through the trials and tribulations of the minor leagues as a player, and now she gets to relive it. I think it's more of a nightmare now at times. <laughs> so, you know, I try not to bring everything home uh, when we have a bad night, but, uh, you know, excited about doing this in, in Portland. Oh, we're glad to have you, really are. And you have a good friend here. Pitching coach Paul Abbott, I'm sure you can share some stories for us, right? <laughs> uh, you want the G version? <laughs> we should FaceTime right him right now and get this Oh, on. boy, then he really will be grumpy. So, <laughs> no, Paul and I were in Seattle together in 2000, and, uh, you know, great uh, competitor. You know, he has a lot of fire and passion on the mound, so um, I had him a couple of years ago in Salem, so we, we have a good relationship. We click together. Um, you know, he, his, his uh, claim to fame with he and I and, at Fenway Park was uh, he had a no-hitter into the seventh inning, and he continues to blame me for the pitch that he threw that lost the no-hitter. But I constantly remind him he has the ball in his hand. He could have shook it off. But if you ever want to give him a hard time, mention Rico Bronya. Rico Bronya had a little flare base hit, and it's my fault. <laughs> So sometimes I might, you know, decide to talk to him, bring him out there on the mound, and maybe we'll discuss it with the pitcher who's standing there and see if we can't figure it out again. So, but he, no, he's a great asset. He's a, a really good pitching coach, a good friend, and, you know, I'm excited about being re reunited with him. It's unbelievable year for the Red Sox, just, just the way they won and dominated in that World Series. I know it's rewarding for you seeing a lot of your players up there and watching them on TV. Yes, you know, I, I, I was fortunate to have some of these guys, whether they were in Lowell or in Salem, uh, Andrew Benatendi, I, I, I had him, you know, uh, in, in Lowell and also in Salem, and Rafael Devers, you know, uh, it just the, the people, Bobby Pointer, um, you know, that just came through, and you, you see that little, 
um, glimpse of, of what they can be. And then when they get to do it on the biggest stage and, and Ben Attendee making that catch in Houston, I, I get chills just thinking about it because he was doing that in Salem, you know, and to see him be able to, to, to show his skills at the highest level with the highest pressure and all those guys come through, it just it makes you proud. You kind of strut around a little bit, yeah. stick your tail feathers out. Yeah. This came to my attention a couple of years ago. Uh, some of the guys, they would always tell me, look at that 2016 Salem Red Sox club. <laughs> you were the manager, and I, I just picked out a few names. Beeks, Benintendi, Jamie Callahan, Michael Chavis, Ralphio Delvers, Dubon, Matt Kent, Kopech. Lakins, Nick Longy, Austin Maddox, Danny Mars, Yohan Mankata, Bobby Pointer, and Ben Taylor. That was an A-ball club. You just get out of the way and let them do yeah. it. <laughs> How fun was that? It, it, was, it was a very special year. I was very fortunate uh, that I got to cut my teeth in, in Salem with that, that group of, of young players. And, you know, you sit there and think about the major league players that are there and you know, uh, Ben was talking earlier about being able to have that type of talent to acquire other players to help the organization achieve the world championship again. It really makes you proud. And they were all willing to work. And that's what's so special. And that's what separates those kids, uh, makes them major leaguers. Is they're, they're coachable. They're hungry. And they were eager, eager to get to the ballpark and, and just want to do the work to get better, to move to the next level. I've had a few people ask me, uh, what is your managing style? I mean, I know that in the minor leagues, it's a little bit different than the big leagues, but <laughs> the Red Sox fans, they want to know all that. Well, I, I was probably, um, I came up under a Lou Pinella in Cincinnati, so <laughs> I'm not Lou. <laughs> I can be Lou. Um, Another one of our pitching coaches, uh, Lance Carter and Paul and I, all played for Lou. Yeah. And when I've had a little bit of uh, questionable calls that kind of build up over time, they both have said, I thought Lou Pinella was in the dugout. <laughs> so, but no, I'm, I'm pretty laid back and relaxed. Um, and I use the iron fist or the, the, the strong foot. It's a 14 uh, <laughs> that, that kind of kicks them in line if they need it. But really build a culture where the, the, the guys can kind of showcase what they're capable of and, 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 and express their personalities and, and try to create a comfortable environment. Um, you know, I, I kind of let them do their thing until they feel like they need to be reined in a little bit. But, um, you know, I'm an aggressive guy when I can be. I, I love to try to put pressure on the defense, you know, and, but try to get the best out of the, the, the players that we have there. So. It's, it's going to be learning what we have coming out of spring training and trying to see what the team is capable of doing. And I'm sure it's exciting for you to move up to a higher level. I mean, this league is, I mean, people talk about it, how great the baseball is. And, of course, double-A is a huge upswing from high-A. Yeah, I'm excited about coming back um, to the Eastern League. I, you know, two years in Vermont, uh, get to see it again on the other side. And just, it's no different as a coach or a manager. You know, you, you, everybody wants to, to, to go to the highest level and be challenged at every, every level they can. And um, it, it's no different for me. You know, my aspirations are to be a major league manager or a major league coach. But I'm excited about leaving A-ball, and it's the right time for me to be in Portland. I'm excited about being here, and I, I wish the season was starting tomorrow. Yeah. 
and it, it will feel like it. You, Actually, you, yeah. I wish the season, I wish spring training was starting tomorrow because if we were playing, I was at the field earlier. It's nothing but ice. So, now, Joe, this is a warm night, you know, for this dinner. It's usually <laughs> five, six degrees. I am, I am so yeah. glad that snow's coming Saturday. <laughs> it's going to be 75 in Orlando. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're giving away a trip with Joe to go back to That's, yeah. So this is the question everyone always asks about why do former catchers make good managers. I found a quote from Brad Osmus. I never even heard this, and I'd like to get what you think of this. He said, because you guys play every day and you learn what the ups and downs of pitchers go through. I thought that was interesting, and that you, that's, that was his take on why, well, I'm sure you have a different take on it. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a thing that you get a feel for experiencing different guys on the mound throughout the season. You, you understand what makes them tick. Most of my close friends were pitchers. I knew when their family was sick or I knew if their kids were sick. I kind of was able to build that relationship and rapport and trust just because I was a friend to these guys. And they were friends of mine. So they trusted me. I trusted them. Um, I think you, you're able to go out and see the game as it lays out. Uh, you study and prepare for the, the series, for that game. And you're, you're more prepared, it seems like, than just about anybody because you're having to deal with you know, 15, 13 to 15 uh, uh, personalities. And you're really a used car salesman because you've got to yeah. tell them how good they are and you know that it's, it's not anything under the hood. You know, so. <laughs> Sorry, used car salesman, if anybody in here. <laughs> but, I mean, you, just, you, you help breed confidence and, and you see what's going on throughout the game and you anticipate it. Uh, because you have to know who the guys are coming off the bench, who, who's their best pitch hitter in certain situations, the guys that are in the bullpen that are available, yeah. um, you know, who's hurting. You, you just you have to do your due diligence. So Brad's got a good point, so I agree with it. Yeah, I never heard the pitcher's end of it. And, again, like I was saying with Nick, with perspective, you're watching the game from a different spot too. Everybody's looking at me. Yeah. You know, that's the only position. Everybody's looking at one guy, so. Yeah. I see everything out there. They're all looking at me. So the catcher's the really that's why. That's yeah. why I wear a mask. <laughs> so I know that you retired, and then you took some time before you got into coaching, and you started in high school. So was it, did you just need some time to away uh, from Well, I had promised my wife that I would be at home to raise a family. So I uh, stuck around, and, and two kids got off to college, and uh, my oldest one was drafted by the Marlins and pitched with the Marlins a couple of years, and... And then my younger two got to in, into high school. But I had, I had gone through travel ball and coached high school baseball, so I stayed in touch. And, and the, the kids keep you young and stayed in the game as best I could and, and helped raise the family, and it was the right opportunity. The, the Red Sox had an opening in Lowell, and I feel blessed and honored that, uh, that I was able to take that job and be hired. Yeah, you were with the Red Sox your last year, and I, I looked this up. Sox, Yankees in one year. That's actually happened a lot, believe it or not. Um, that's what the internet's great. You can find anything. But did you have a connection from then to get into the Red Sox now or is just applying for jobs? It, it was just looking around, and yeah. I was fortunate that the, the opening was there. And, you know, it, it, until you go through the Red Sox-Yankee hate fest and be on both sides of the fence, it, it's in the same year. You know, the same people who were telling you how bad you were a couple of weeks later, we're telling you how good you were. So it was, it was kind of ironic. Yeah. And you've been, of course, the main before we talked about this earlier, when you played in 
at AAA and that Nashville, they came all the way up here to Old Orchard. That had yes. to be quite a road trip. Yes, it, it, it definitely was. Uh, mosquitoes, I believe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good memory, yeah. yeah. I want to stick, of course, uh, the World Series theme, and you're part of a, a really uh, amazing team. Those Reds teams in the 90s, I think people forget about, but Red Sox fans know about the Reds teams in the 70s, yeah, but that, that was, team in 1990 was, was really damn good. We um, had a, probably a good draft of four or five straight years, and all of us came up together. And, and you look at Barry Larkin at shortstop and Chris Sabo and um, um, Hal Morris, uh, Paul O'Neill, Eric Davis, Billy Hatcher, and just think about the uh, the nasty boys that we had closing the games out, and uh, Danny Jackson, um, Jack Armstrong started the All-Star game, Tom Browning, um, and, and just to go in and play the A's and sweep the A's, and, uh, you know, we weren't even expected to win a game and go in and, and win four straight. It's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, because well, they, uh, Red Sox fans remember, in 88-90, they swept the Red Sox and then they swept right before, yeah, that. Yes. And you had a big hit in game two off? Uh, yeah, guy, Dennis Eckersley, Dennis I Eckersley? think. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he was here. I can't wait to see him in spring training. <laughs> Tony La Russa came in, and he's, he's, he's uh, part of the Red Sox uh, organization now. And, and I can't say exactly what he said, but it, he called me a name for taking one of his World Series rings away from him. So... <laughs> It was a pretty proud moment when he came in and we actually got to talk about it and see it from his perspective. So that was the first time we had spoken since 1990. So it was pretty, pretty uh, special in my memory. We had a, a really good chat earlier today, and you mentioned to me about relief pitchers. It's big now, but your team in 1990 with Charlton, Dibble, and Myers, if you look up their statistics in 1990, that's got to be one of the best bullpens ever. Yeah, three pitchers uh, that threw 96 to 100. Two of them were left-handed. And it was ahead of the time because that's kind of the formula that the Royals followed. And managers would manage the game to try to get ahead of us before the sixth inning came up because the game was over. Uh, if we had the lead, we were not giving up anything. And actually, during that first stretch, Danny Jackson went down and Norm Charlton went from one of the setup slash closers to starting for us the second half of the season and won nine ball games yeah. in the starting role. So here's a guy who was closing guy, games out, was able to turn it, uh, turn it around and be a starter for us and, and be one of our best starters down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, Barry Larkin, one of the best players you've ever seen? Incredible. I had the best seat in the house for, you know, 120 games out of 160 a year watching that guy cover the ground that he did. And true professional, just went about his business and studied and got better every day, and, and rightfully so, a first ballot Hall of Famer. What can you say about that tradition and the Reds? I think it's kind of a, a sleeper franchise that, that's got amazing fans there. I know you're going to fantasy camp coming up. Yes, during, during the probably 70s and, and um, late 80s, uh, mid-80s and late 80s, they were kind of the model franchise, and, and they really took pride and set the, set the bar and set the level pretty high, and and, you know, it's, a, it's kind of slipped a little bit right now, but hopefully they're getting back on the right track. But um, great city to be in, the, the oldest franchise in baseball. Um, you know, Pete Rose in his situation, you know, I wish he wouldn't have done it. He was my first manager, got a lot of love for him, but um, proud to say that I know him. He was my manager. The tradition, you know, it just goes on. Tony Perez and Davey Concepcion and uh, just name after name after name. And, 
and just proud to, to be a part of that as part of my history and, and to have a World Series title with that. And now I've got, you know, another one here in Boston yeah. and just as proud um, that I'm on the player development side as if I was actually squatting back there playing a game because I helped bring along some guys to help bring that title here. Yeah, once you work in an organization, it's easy to become passionate and a fan of that organization, it, it isn't it? It really is. And I, I feel like I am truly a Boston Red Sox, and, and I feel at home, and just I found my niche, and I found a lot of f close friends uh, that, that we've built relationships over the time, and, and it's just a place that I want to be for a long time. And, yeah. It's a, it's a special fan base, and, and even all the, the sports now. And I noticed that Red Sox players and Patriots players, they're all getting along now, and that, that's kind of a neat thing. Yeah, it's, it's really special when you can kind of cross each sport and, and kind of build a relationship because there, there's sometimes there's some jealousy and some animosity when one franchise is struggling in the same city. Yeah. But to be able to go into Boston and see – I hate to say it, I'm a Dolphin fan, so I'm not a Patriot fan. <laughs> well, that's the way I felt when they took the field all year, too. So, <laughs> and, and the most important thing, you're on Twitter. What do you think of yes, social media? I am yeah. I'm on Twitter, yeah. I am on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. What do I think about it? I'm on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. I, I like it. It's yeah. all right. Yeah. You sent a nice tweet today. You took the yes, I did. I took the wife out in the Sea Dogs van. Yeah, and took a nice picture of us with the Sea Dog emblem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would have been great if you got pulled over and you. you told... <laughs> I'm, I'm a manager sure. of the Sea Dogs. Yeah, yeah, sure yeah, right yeah. Van, yeah. yeah, sure you are. <laughs> hey, Joe, we're really happy to have you here. Thanks for everything. It's great, great job. To be here. Yeah, great to be here. That was a fun night. Opening day for 2019 is April 4th at Hadlock Field. And when the season starts up, and as we get even closer to the baseball season, we'll have a lot more baseball in this podcast. Love your feedback. And behind the mic, 73 on Facebook, behind the underscore mic on Twitter, Radio at gmail.com. Your questions, your concerns, anything. We could talk about the Bryce Harper contract through uh, – through the uh, old email and slide into my DMs as well. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, be in spring training in a couple of weeks. We'll get you some uh, broadcast. We'll get you some interviews. We'll probably go live a few times down there from Fort Myers and get you all caught up. A lot of baseball coming up in the next five-plus months. So enjoy your weekend. Episode 12 is next week. Follow me on Twitter again for updates on Behind the Mic. Peace and love. I'll talk to you later.